How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on the Dad Tired Podcast. If you're brand new here, make sure to head over to dadtired.com forward slash free book to find 10 practical ways to start leading your family to Jesus today. It's a very quick and easy read. This week, I had the chance to sit down with CEO Daniel Harkavy to talk about leadership. I wanted to hear his story and how he grew to become such an impactful leader, both in business and in his family. And one thing that stuck out to me during this interview was this commitment to a morning routine. We cover all kinds of great topics in this particular show, but I was especially fascinated with his morning routine regiment and how that directly impacted his ability to lead his family well. Listen to what he said when I asked him if he thinks this is one of the most important things a guy can do to start leading his family well. I think it's probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. I think it is. You know, the way I look at it is it's I go to the fueling station every day, so I have the the fuel that I need to be who he's called me to be, and I can do what he's called me to do. I need the fuel. We'll dive into the specifics of what a morning routine looks like, and I'll even give you the exact template that Daniel follows. But first, I want to thank my friends over at Blinkist for sponsoring today's episode. As you know, Blinkist is one of my favorite and most used apps on my phone. If you're not familiar, Blinkist takes thousands of nonfiction books, and they condense them down to just 15 minutes or less that you can either read or you can listen to. I'm one of 12 million people who are using Blinkist to listen to multiple books each week. We all know that as busy dads, it's nearly impossible to sit down and find the time to read. That's why I love Blinkist. I can power through a couple books each night before bed. Some of the past guests here on the Dad's Hard Show actually have books on Blinkist that are definitely worth checking out. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, Bob Goff's book, Everybody Always, and one of my personal favorites of the year, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for you, our dad tired audience. Go to Blinkist.com tired. Try it free for seven days and saves 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash tired to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash tired. That being said, let's dive into today's episode with Daniel Harkavy. Daniel, for the audience who may not be familiar with you, maybe give us a little bit of an update on who you are and what you're up to these days. All right. Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, a man of faith, the Jewish family, uh, an upbringing, and a guy who uh, at the age 22 came to believe that uh, the Messiah of us Jews was Yeshua Christ. So that is first and foremost. I'm a follower of his. I've been married to my beautiful wife for 30, almost two years, mm. and uh, first set eyes on her when we were 11 years old in sixth grade. So wow. I've had a love a love thing for this woman for about, uh, we'll call it 46 years, because I'll be 56 this year. 
I've got four kids, two of them married. I became a grandfather on Sunday. Wow. I have a beautiful little granddaughter, which is such a gift in the midst of this uh, COVID reality. And uh, so, you know, four of our own kids, plus the, the two kid-in-laws who are just like ours. And, uh, and, and then we've raised a whole bunch of others in our home as well. So that, that's on the personal side, you know, maybe a little bit more. I, uh, I love surfing. I love uh, the outdoors and, and playing. I live in the Pacific Northwest up in Oregon. And uh, that's it on the personal side. And then I'm a, a business guy as well. I have an executive coaching company that is about 24 years old. So I, I serve as a CEO and I, I also get to, uh, I get to coach uh, leaders and uh, create some content and do some fun stuff. Yeah, man. I there everything you just uh, said there made me add about ten additional questions to each category. <laughs> <laughs> One, congratulations on the grandbaby. That's exciting. Uh, Thank you. Li- did you say little girl, little granddaughter? Yeah, little Ella Jean. Oh, nice. Sunday night at nine fifty. Born at home. I was there with my oh, daughter and son-in-law and my wife. My wife's a doula, and we got to all be there as a. Uh, little princess made her grand debut. It was amazing. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. I have an Ella as well. So oh, yeah? yeah, special place. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Good deal. How old are your kids? I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and my Ella is one-year-old. Sweet. Yeah. You are in a fun season, bud. Yeah, man. <laughs> right in the thick of it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious to know more about, you said, did you say at 22, you made a decision to believe in Jesus? Yep. Yep. 22 years old. How, how did that come about? Yeah. So that is a, that is a, a, a long story where just from the youngest of days, um, I had, uh, people sharing with me, uh, the reality of Christ. And, um, I grew up in an area where there was just very few Jewish kids in school. So anti-Semitism back in the 70s and, and early 80s was real. And uh, so, so my Jewish family, we were Jewish by, we'll just say heritage and a bit by practice, but not devout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a bar mitzvah. Um, but as I went through life, um, you know, I, uh, I was a bit on the wild side. Grew up in Southern California, mm-hmm. surfer, drummer, partier, kind of. Uh, you know, parents were in the hippie, hippie age. Uh, but, uh, I, I just knew something was missing and I had a whole bunch of people sharing the good news of Christ with me, including my back then girlfriend, um, one of my best friends, and then a few others made pretty significant life changes. And I started really, um, pursuing truth and trying to figure out first and foremost, what did being Jewish mean? Mm. So I started really diving into my Jewish faith. I met with Holocaust, Messianic, Messianic Jews who are Holocaust survivors, um, wow. with pastors, with rabbis. And then I was in a skiing accident at age 22. I was doing quite well in business as a young man. And I was in a skiing accident. My world came to a screeching halt. Mm. I drove Mercedes. I had my, my own home. Uh, I owned a bit of real estate. And at 22, everything kind of came to a screeching halt with the skiing accident. And I dove deep into the Hebrew scriptures and really started praying in April of, uh, of 1987. Yeah. April of 87 is when the Lord got a hold of me. So 
There you go. What do you mean by he got a hold of you? What What did that look like? Uh, that looked like me reading through the Psalms, reading through Isaiah, and uh, really earnestly asking if number one he was real. Mm. You know, uh, is is there a God who created all of us, or did we create a God so that we would feel better? Mm. And that was question number one that I really had to wrestle with. And I came to a point to where it's like, no way. There's so much amazingness in life. There's no way this is random accident. Mm. You look at what humans can create, and there's just no way that we've evolved from monkeys and apes that are still here. Like, why did those poor things not evolve to the point where we did, where we get to enjoy what we get to enjoy? So the whole evolution, random accident thing, I was like, that requires a ton of faith. That's crazy. Hmm. So I believe that there was a master designer. And then the next question was, all right, if there's a master designer, a, a supreme being, who is he, she, what is that about? And when you look at so many different faiths, so many of them are rooted in the Hebrew scriptures. They're rooted in the Old Testament. So uh, it was pretty easy for me to believe that God was the God of the Jews. Mm. All right, that's the next step. Then as I continue to read uh, through the Hebrew scriptures and meet with different uh, teachers of both Christian and Jewish faith, um, I came to the point to where so much of the prophetic scriptures in the Hebrew Old Testament point you directly to this Messiah, this Jesus that was talked about in the Gospels. So his life and how you see his life through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how you see his life account, it's right out of some of what you'll read in Psalms and what you'll read in Isaiah. And Isaiah 53 changed my life, the suffering servant line by line changed my life. And I remember sitting out by myself, rehabbing my knee. I couldn't go do any of the things that I was doing before. And I remember sitting outside my master bedroom on my deck by myself at the age of 22 years old, just saying, Lord, I think you're real. And I think that uh, Jesus, which was hard for me as a Jewish guy to say I, I had a hard time with his name that was one thing I knew is he just don't say that name and mm. uh, I said I think Jesus was the Yeshua I think he was the Messiah I think he fits the bill so what I did Jared was I, I I just came to this point where I was like you know what it's easier to believe that story than it is to believe that a, a Messiah is going to come back at some point and create a utopian world like what's that going to look like CNN and and you know hey live from the White House the Messiah is back and yeah. I just the Hebrew scriptures point you right to Jesus. So there you go, man. Sounds like God was, uh, chasing after you for a while. That is such a cool story. I'm, I'm grateful that you shared it. Thank you for, for taking the time to share that. I know that's not really what we came to talk about, but I'm always fascinated when, uh, as you say, God captured your heart. Um, what that actually looks like, especially as an adult. Um, yeah, that's really fascinating and amazing. Um, you were pretty humble in your introduction there, um, but you have had the opportunity to coach a lot of leaders. And so you're kind of a leader of leaders. How did you get into that? Yeah. So that's part of the faith story. You know, that's, that's me knowing that God's alive and real because I'm a, I'm a guy who, you know, if you, if you understand surfer drummer from Southern California, uh, barely made it through high school I just had no interest in it. Uh, didn't make it into any university. I went to a junior college, a community college, and uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I started working really young, 
And uh, I always had an entrepreneurial drive to me. Uh, I was never good at anything as a young person. I was small, uh, picked on a little bit, um, not the smartest kid. And I wanted to excel at something. And I saw relatives of mine who owned businesses and I saw them being wealthy. And as a young person, I wanted to be really wealthy. My parents were middle-class, great people, but middle-class. And, um, and I had an early age wanted to be wealthy. I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to live in some of the homes like my cousins and, and, uh, all those folks. And, um, so I started working hard when I was young. I started buying real estate when I was a teenager and fixing it up. And I got into mortgage banking at the age 20. And at the age 22, right after my faith journey, right after April, when I came to Christ, in August, I was given an opportunity to manage. Mm. And I had done really well in the previous two years as a consultant, a loan officer in the mortgage banking space. When I took the branch over and when I was given an opportunity to lead my own little business, an office, a branch, a PL, all of it. Um, I took something that was really nothing other than my own production and it grew. And we had 17 offices. My my little one branch had six of the top 10 out of 200 and some people. I recruited and coached all of them. Wow. Um, we represented about 52% of the biz, of the overall business for the company wow. out of our little office. And it was just, it was a powerhouse. So what I did was I realized you know, my style of management, I would meet with the best of the best. I would talk to them about what motivated them. I would talk to them about what they wanted to accomplish in business and in life. And I would write it down. And Jared, I would just meet with them month after month. And I would try to give them so much in the way of knowledge and value that at some point I knew they're going to get less from their leaders. And when they do, they're going to come join me. And it worked. So they just joined me and joined me and joined me. And mm. That uh, led me to being um, promoted to run the entire production for the company. So I had offices throughout the seven Western United States when I was 27, 28 years old. And at the age 30, I was at a Promise Keeper event. Mm. And, uh, you know, the company had gone public a couple of years before. I'm at a Promise Keeper event. They named me to be the successor for the founder, the CEO. I was on a five-year development track where I was going to run the company. And at the Promise Keeper event, I heard very loud and clear from the Lord. You're chasing the wrong guy. Mm. You're, you got your ladder on the wrong, on the wrong structure. And uh, so I came back and I, I resigned and uh, I, I resigned at the age 30. I took a one year sabbatical, moved my family from Southern California to Oregon. And in that one year period of time, I had a lot of my old employees and a lot of my old associates asking me for continued coaching and advice. As a result of that, a few of them sent me checks. I was 30 years old and uh, I figured, you know what, I could coach. And back then it was nothing. And uh, I started building Champions, which is an executive coaching company where uh, we coach CEOs and leaders uh, in businesses, not just throughout the US today, but uh, around the world. And there's 23 coaches and about 33, 34 on the team. And, uh, that's how it started. Wow. That is incredible. Um, man, in your book, you talk about in living forward, you talk about the drift, um, and how dangerous the drift can be. Um, I'm, I'm interested for you to tell us more about that. What do you mean by the drift? 
Yeah. So what happens is I think there's a cultural current and the cultural current will suck you in and it'll cause you to make decisions because you're an emotional being and you'll make decisions. I will make decisions based upon what feels good. And I can make decisions based upon what feels good in the moment and what my feelings are, are real, but it doesn't mean that they're true. So what a lot of us humans in Western culture do, a lot of us leaders, is we put a whole bunch of our energy into two areas of our life. I call them accounts. We put them into our careers and we put them into our material, which is either our income or our possessions. And we put a lot of our energy there and a lot of our best thinking and a lot of our best effort there. And and then at the end of the day, at the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, we, we give our leftovers to the areas of our life, the accounts in our life that might matter most to us, the ones that truly do bring us the most satisfaction, purpose, joy, love, fulfillment. And, and, and we drift. We, 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 we don't focus on what matters most. And uh, we give God, we give our wives, we give our kids, we give our health, we give good things, leftovers. And as a result of that, we find ourselves maybe bankrupt or very poor in areas of our life that matter most to us. Uh, and I've now, I'm, like I said, I'm going to be 56. I've been doing this coaching thing for two and a half decades. And I've met with the, the most successful of successful business leaders and thought leaders. And I've had too many of them tell me that they're bankrupt. They're, they're filled, their lives are filled with regret because they've drifted. They put all their energy in, into their careers. They live their careers in, in color and their uh, their personal lives in black and white. And I actually had a leader tell me that and they have regrets. So mm. when, a, when a leader tells you that, when you meet with a high level leader who says, you know, I've, I've been putting all my energy and focus, I've been filling up the accounts and realizing I've been filling up the wrong accounts. Um, how does somebody get away from that? How do they start to move towards um, filling up the accounts that actually matter and not drifting towards what's trying to suck them in? I think the first thing is acknowledging that you have drifted so many times we don't realize it until all of a sudden we have red, red lights on the dashboard of our life, or you've got somebody who's walking with you and asking you, but the good news is for anyone listening to this or any of those leaders that you're asking me about, they're still alive. So you can course correct, you know, you drift off course, you figure out how to get back on course, you create a map and you begin taking the proper steps to get you back on course. And as long as you still have, you know, oxygen in your lungs and blood pulsing through your veins, you have opportunity. You may not have the opportunity to go back and relive what you missed. You may not be able to be there when she took her first step. You may not be able to be there when he first learned to ride a bike. You may not be there when she really needed you that late night because she had fears or whatever it may be. You may not get that back but you can course correct. You can ask for forgiveness and you can begin to take the right specific actions so that you begin to accumulate net worth in those areas of your life that you've drifted from and you find yourself hurting in. Mm. I think for a lot of guys, especially my peers who might be listening, there's a feeling of like, I'm just trying to survive. I don't really know where I'm trying to go in my life. Um, and so I just kind of get pulled in whatever direction my boss tells me or whatever hobby sounds fun or whatever thing is appealing to buy at the moment, but I don't really know like where I'm trying to go. How do you, I guess, how do you get to the point where you can start to really nail down? This is where I'm trying to go as a husband and father and disciple. And then once you start to wrap your head around that, is it something that you write down? Is it something you put up on your wall? You can revisit like, what, how do you keep that 
objective in front of you constantly so that you don't drift. Okay. Well, what you're doing is you're setting me up to sell books right now, right? <laughs> so yeah, the book's called Living Forward. And you don't write a book if you don't think it's going to change the world. And uh, if you write a book, you tell everybody about it or else it doesn't change the world. So I appreciate you asking. You know, our coaching programs range, they're, they're really expensive, like thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Um, and, and you can hire a coach to help you with it, but you can buy a book or listen to a book or download a tool for free, the life plan tool, and you can go through the process. So what you do specifically is you create a life plan. And that's what I outline in Living Forward with one of my past clients and good friends, Michael Hyatt. Uh, he was really impacted by the life planning process back in the early 2000s. And he wanted to help me bring it out to, uh, to others. He was instrumental in me writing a book probably 13 years ago called Becoming a Coaching Leader back when he was the CEO of Thomas Nelson. So anyways, you, you write a life plan. And you review your life plan regularly. Your brain, if it has something to focus on that matters most to you, you will begin to inhibit all the noise and you replace things that harm you with things that help you. But you need to see it over and over. And when you look at all of the research that's been done around transformation, if you write something down that has pull power, you really believe it, you want it and you review it regularly, your habits, your mindset, your feelings will all begin to move you into that direction. That's the way the Lord created us. He created us as these feeling beings whose brains continue to develop, who can continue to learn. We can continue to grow in our intellect, in our ability. The Lord created our brains to be pretty amazing. And when you line your, your brain up with your heart, which is where he lives. The plans of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. When you pull those plans out, put them in writing, and you review them over and over and over again, you'll start to begin to do the things that matter most. So very specific, marriage. You know, you say guys are struggling. They're, they're trying to tread water. They're, you know, being told what to do by their bosses, and they're looking for the, the feel-good things, which is really common but then they find the feel good things actually begin to shackle them most of the time or they create problems They make things a little worse. If you can create a vision for what you want to see in an account like your marriage, and you say at the age 65, I want to be married to my best friend. She and I hold hands. We're intimate. There's no other human we would rather spend time with. We laugh together. We celebrate all of the wonderful moments that God's given us. We enjoy truth, grace, love, intimacy, and oneness. And we share that gift with as many as we can. That may not be your reality right now because you're not 65 right now. You're 42, you're 36, you're 27. But if you write a vision for what you'd like to see at some point in the future, and it's got what I call magnetic pull power, that magnetic pull power will help you to then do the actions that you identify that you need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in order to add quarters to that account into that piggy bank so that you move the odds into your favor of landing at that destination point. It's like a GPS. You, you, you put your landing point. That's where I want to be. And then you figure out your map to get there. 
you're asking me questions and I'm just going and going and going. And if you want to stop me, stop no, me man, uh, or I can unpack. No, next I'm letting you go. Cause it's so good. I'm uh, taking notes as just personally as a, as a husband and dad okay. here. I love the account. That's such a helpful visualization for me. And I'm, I'm gonna, assuming for most guys to like see that and to make those deposits into that account. That's a really beautiful way of saying that. Um, what, what are some things that you, so I imagine that that picture that you laid out for your marriage or for marriage is maybe a vision that you've had for your own marriage. What are some ways that you've made deposits or like habits or rhythms or things that you do, practices that you have that you've done to have, you know, a successful marriage? All right. Great question. You're leading me through the life planning process. So if you have the vision, then you write your purpose. My purpose as a husband is found right in Ephesians 5, 25, 26, right? Right in Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. A lot of guys know that. And he laid himself down for, her. oh, okay, so I'm supposed to be selfless. No, it goes on. And I'm supposed to present her without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, right? So if I'm supposed to present her like Christ presented the church without stain, wrinkle, or blemish, that means I can't, I can't dirty her. So I can't ignore her. I can't be rude to her. I can't be abusive. I can't be not caring or distant or apathetic or else I'm going to stain her. I'm going to throw dirt on her beautiful dress. So if I want to be like Christ, then I need to understand my purpose. And my purpose is to present her that way. That's why I said I would get married. When you understand the scriptural, biblical design of marriage. That's why God called you into it. And then he gives you the emotions and the feelings that help you to want to stick. Mm. But that's his purpose for life is that we come together, we reproduce, and we create these humans that will go out and shine bright light with the rest of the world. But we husbands, we dads, we men need to understand our role. So specific actions, Jared. Hey, guys, I pray with my wife every day, mm. whether I feel like it or not every day, whether I feel like it or not, whether I'm home or whether I'm in Europe or whether I'm in Asia, I call her and I pray with her before we go to bed every day. Wow. And I don't miss that. Um, I pray for protection. I pray for intimacy. I pray for oneness. I pray for favor. I pray for purpose. I pray for peace. I pray for health. I pray for our family. That's what I do. I, I date her. When we were younger, we dated every Monday at lunch, every Monday at lunch. I work out at lunch when uh, life's normal, and uh, and uh, I usually don't do business lunches. I just go to the gym or I go for a run. And we were at a point where after our last child, who's now 16, soon to be 17, after her, Sherry was feeling a little neglected. And she was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm a priority. Um, everything else is so important to you. And I'm like, okay, what would make you feel more important? She's like, you know, just like, include me in the middle of your week or, you know, let's do something at lunch. I'd already dated her every week at night. We started a Monday lunch date, which was a management date. We dated on Mondays to talk about kind of air traffic control. We'd had nine other kids live with us along with our four mm. plus two 60 year olds who were fighting cancer. So our house has been a zoo, right? Mondays, we would do these lunch dates and they would sometimes turn into whole afternoons to where I would just like take the afternoon off uh, because the date was so important. 
And sometimes these Monday lunch dates, which were management focused, would turn into romance focused. They were amazing. Mm. Pray with my wife every day. Date her on Mondays as well as one night on the weekends. You don't need to spend a lot of money, guys. Sherry and I, during this COVID lockdown, we're dating by a little fire. We make a fire down in our forest area. We've had dates in the back of my truck. I've set up picnics in the back of my truck where I do leftovers and open a bottle of wine. And we sit in the back of the truck and I've got candles and I pick flowers. It cost me like 15 bucks. Mm. And it's like really cool and fun. So date her all the time. I have the last 20 to 30 minutes of my day, eye to eye, ear to ear, no TV, no work, no surfer magazine, no interruptions, eye to eye, inner, ear to ear, to listen to her, to encourage her, to respect her, to affirm her, to love on her. The number one way you show another human you care for them is by how you listen to them. Do you guys hear me on that? The number one way we show humans how we care for them is how we listen to them. Mm. And today that's so difficult. We have these shiny little distractors in our back pockets and we're 24 seven accessible. Put down the phone, put that thing down. It's a weapon. Look at your wife, look at your kids eye to eye, ask, listen, dating 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the end of the day, you know, guys, Sherry and I have either hot tubbed, bathed or showered together just about every night since we were first married. I, it's that way to connect. Mm. And, uh, those are a few examples, buddy. I, I got a lot more, but man, yeah, that's good stuff, man. I'm I'm trying to extract as much wisdom as I possibly can in this short interview, so it feels like I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. But I imagine that you have uh, now that you have explained kind of here's my goal, here's where I'm setting out to get after, and now I'm backtracking to figure out what steps I need to take on a daily basis to get after that goal. Um, do you have a morning routine? Uh, and this oh, is coming from a guy who has been terrible at morning routines, but has desired to have a good one uh, for a long time now. What does your morning routine look like and how does someone get into one? Uh, you ask great questions. Like you're hitting the most important things, Jared. You really are. Your first 30 to 60 minutes of your day will set the trajectory for your day. You need to get to a point to where your devotion time is not a have to do. It's not a have to do. It's not a check the box. Now I'm a good Christian man. It doesn't work that way. You get to, you get to spend the first 30 minutes, the first 60 minutes of your day, understanding who the creator of this universe is, why he created you, what he's got for you, how much he loves you and how much he wants to use you. You get to breathe deep. You get to enjoy filling your mind with wisdom, not just smarts that aren't going to get you where you need to go, but real wisdom. And as soon as you shift from have to do in the morning to vacation in the morning, something happens. Mm. Henry Nowen has been the greatest influence in my morning vacation. Reading Henry Nowen for me for years has been like mm, real rarefied air, pure oxygen, high altitude, good stuff. And, and Henry Nowen's got devotions. He's got great little books, everything from uh, uh, The Pro Return of the Prodigal Son. Um, I just am redoing my home office, and I've got a whole collection of Nowen's books, The Life of the Beloved. I just had my entire – I had 11 of my family members all read that in January. Mm. So my morning routine is this. I wake up early. Uh, you know, Jesus himself, he woke up a long while before daylight. 
and he departed to a solitary place and there there he prayed and that was after a late night of ministry right so jesus was speaking to thousands and the next morning he wakes up early and he departs to a solitary place and he prays i wake up early i make tea i make a little morning tonic drink that's good for us older folks as uh, we want to stay young and still play and surf and not get hurt i go face down in the same place every day when i'm home which is in front of my fireplace i go face down in the child's pose hands out uh praying and i pray the same way every day first is just acknowledging who he is you're amazing you're creator you're the king of the universe you are the one who has allowed me to wake up today you thank you there must be a reason for it i'm excited help me to figure out how to you know be who you want me to be today and then i move into the same prayer this middle section which is lord help me to be who you want me to be so that i can do what you want me to do help me to see people like you see them help me to love them like you love them and may i serve them in ways that bring you glory Use me today, Lord, to flip the switches up on the hearts of everybody that I meet. And may you be the one that gets the fame. You be the one that gets the glory. Use me. May I strive to please an audience of one. That's part two of my prayer. Then part three is me just begging, Lord, help me to be the husband. I pray for me and my wife. I pray for my kids, my granddaughter. I pray for my sick friends. I pray for my team, my clients, my business, our church, my community. I just go through everything that is is concerning me and and I praise wherever there's been beautiful victories and gifts. I then open the scriptures. And right now this year, I, I've been at this for 30 some years, but I'm reading out of the message right now to just mix it up and I'm digging it. So I'm in the Psalms. I think the Psalms are great for COVID and uh, this crazy life and uh, experiencing some grief and some lamenting of things that, you know, we no longer have. And I don't know what we get in the future. But I, I read uh, some Hebrew scriptures or some New Testament, and I go back and forth. I'll, I'll just camp in a book, and I'll be in the Psalms for a while. Then I'll probably move to the New Testament, and you know, I'll read Colossians or something. Mm. Then I read a little Nowen, and uh, maybe 10 minutes, 5 minutes of Nowen. I'm, it may sound like a lot, but I'm also reading um, these little prayers from the classics, these mystic fathers that uh, formed our church back a thousand years ago. And I, I read through some of their prayers. I close my eyes and I pray through Psalm 23 every day. And, uh, I just meditate on Psalm 23 over and over again, just drinking in that reality. What I didn't share with you is that I also do a little morning ab and workout routine. It's not my daily workout, but just to get my lower back, uh strong and my my body strong i do uh, a lot of sit-ups and different types of ab type things and push-ups every day just to get the blood flowing before i do the whole um devotion piece so it's the turmeric drink it's yerba mate tea it's face down uh prayer it's the ab and push-up workout then it's time in scriptures and uh drinking the tea that's my morning. Some guys are going to hear this, Daniel, and say, dude, this is inspiring. This is the kind of stuff that I need to be doing. I want to be this kind of leader. Some guys are going to hear that and think, I can't do that. Like, there's just no way that I can. I'm not. You're a leader. You were born a leader, obviously. No. I'm not a leader. I wasn't born a leader. There's no way I can get to that point. What would you say to that guy? You can. And I wasn't born a leader. I was not. I was born a twerp. 
and I was born um, not the smartest and I was born not the, the best. And what you hear today is you hear a 56 year old who's been walking with Christ since he was 22 and has made a lot of mistakes. And you hear a guy who has been redeemed. You guys, I, uh, I sold Coke when I was young. Um, my wife and I, when we were 18, we had an abortion. Um, I was promiscuous and a partier like you've never seen back in my young teen days. And I know what I was rescued out of. And I know um, what it's like to walk with the one who created me. And I know what it's like to focus in on what matters most, which is God, his word, and people. Like, don't get it confused. It's, it's your moments, it's your relationships, and it's your love. And how you show up and live out your purpose in those relationships, in those moments, it's your life. That's what's going to define what kind of life you have. So it does seem like a lot. I know that. I've had people tell me that for years. It's like, Harkaby, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but I started, I just started out of obedience knowing that a morning routine was a good thing. Mm. And guys, I have to tell you, there have been plenty of mornings in my 30 years of walking with the Lord to where it felt like I have to do when I didn't want to. And there's still some days that I will miss. You know, we had our, our granddaughter on Sunday and we were late Saturday night. My daughter was in labor and then baby came Sunday night at 9.50. And then I went home for a little bit Monday morning or yeah, Monday morning at like two in the morning and came back early. I, I didn't have a devotion but I don't feel guilty. I'm the one that misses out. And the Lord's sitting there going, dude, I'm here with you. I love you. So just start, just start, just start. Do you think that this, like the morning routine thing is, do you think this is one of the best places to start? If some guy can implement this kind of, I love the way you said it, like vacation in the morning where they're just spending time getting focused on what is it that I'm trying to get after in my life and who's the one that's going to be walking with me during this. So I'm just, I'm, I'm getting crystal clear focus on where I'm trying to head. And then I'm just begging Jesus to be with me and give me the grace I need to actually get there. Do you think like, if you're going to do anything, this is something you should be starting. This would be a priority of something you start right away. I think it's probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing. I think it is. You know, the way I look at it is it's I go to the fueling station every day. So I have the, the fuel that I need to be who he's called me to be. And I can do what he's called me to do. I need the fuel. Mm. And I, I can tell you, Jared, truthfully, if I miss a few days, that helped me to flip light switches up. It goes away. Mm. Like the, the Daniel without Christ in him, the, the Daniel without the focus saying, please help me to see people like you see them. May I love them like you love them. May I serve them in ways that bring you glory. That's the God-inspired, Holy Spirit-infused, indwelled Daniel. If I miss that asking for and receiving for too many days, and then the worries of the world start to hit me, the stresses, I turn into a self-protecting, um, not 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 the best guy. Hmm. Not the best guy. I'm going to, so, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, that, that's it. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit um, just because I'm, I'm thinking through listeners and ways that this is going to be helpful for them. Um, would you be willing to just on a quick in your notes app on your phone or on a word doc, just scratch up your morning routine? 
just what you do when you first wake up, because you listed a lot of things there from the workout to the Henry now into the scriptures to the, you know, you listed a lot of things. I think a lot of, I would, I would like to just kind of use that as template um, and, and kind of think through what would be the best morning routine for me. I know a lot of guys would be thinking that. Would, would that be something you'd be willing to just like quickly jot down that I could post in the show notes for the guys to reference that they could put together their own morning routine? So my daily prayer and how I go through that is on its way to you. I've given it to so many people and you didn't know this. So I'm glad you asked. Um, you give me an email address and it's coming to you right now. Hello at dadtire.com. Hello. Oh, that's cool. Dad tired. Dot com. Thank you, man. Hello at dadtired.com. Yeah, that's going to be helpful. I'll post that for in the show notes so guys can check that out. That's going to be helpful. I, I, I man, you, you've given. I wish I could spend more time with you. I want to be conscious of your time. I, I guess one last question out of all the questions I've got here. One thing that would be interesting for me to hear from you is, um, you have obviously created this vision and your purpose of where you're trying to head. Um, for your kids, how much did you involve your kids and include your family in that vision casting? Like how much were they part of it? Even growing up, did your, did you kind of have a family mission statement that you guys came up with together that your family felt like you were on purpose and on mission together? No, um, we didn't have a, a formal family mission statement. Um, no, my family all sat front row in our home. Sherry homeschooled. And uh, they saw from 96 through right now, they saw us living it. Mm. Um, so of the nine kids that have lived with us, seven of them have had addiction mm. and have been in dark places. Uh, um, we've had some that, you know, four or five days before moving in with us, they attempted to commit suicide. Mm. We've had um, meth addicts and weed addicts and all of it. And um, the kids have seen, they've seen uh, the mission and they're familiar with my life plan. As the kids all got old enough, I invited all of them in to go down and have a Sabbath day with me. I have these Sabbath days regularly where I just go down and I pray, I fast, I review my life plan. I, spend time with the Lord and uh, just try to make sure I am who he wants me to be. And I've invited my kids into those as they hit teenage years and I never force it. It's like, Hey, if you guys want to come do it, do it. Great. And if you don't, that's your deal. I love you. doesn't mean I think any less of you. If it's right for you. Great. Same with my wife. My wife's done one life plan. I do them every year. Mm. Sherry is so missional and she's focused and clear. She doesn't need it. So yeah, I just, uh, pray with the kids every single night, um, spend time with them. Yeah. That, that's a whole different, you have me on again. We'll talk about being dads. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even get to scratch that, which I just wanted to pick your brain on all that stuff again. So we're definitely going to need to do a part two where just come and talk about parenting stuff. It sounds like you've got a lot of stories and just like uh, a lot of skin in the game and some kind of street level experience uh, as far as uh, all the things that you've done in raising these children. Um, Daniel, thank you, man. I know you're a busy guy and for you to take the time out to hang out and share a little bit of your wisdom with us, it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to our listeners. So thank you for doing it. Um, thank you for doing what you're doing. I love your heart. I love how you're trying to help guys. Hey guys, um, I'm going to sign off by giving you um, two verses that I've given to my sons 
um, since they were young and they've got them memorized and nailed. And, and the first one is second Timothy one, seven guys, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. So don't be afraid of anything I'm sharing. Don't be afraid that you can't do it. Don't, don't believe that you don't have what it takes. You do have what it takes. He created you to. And, uh, you know, you hear my highlight reel, but you've not seen my ugly. And uh, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but instead he's giving you the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. He's given that to you. He wrote that for you. And the second one is in 2 Corinthians 16, 13, 14, and 15. Chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Yeah, 13 and 14. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong, act like men, and let all you do be done in love. Guys, stand firm in your faith, first and foremost. You get your feet firmly planted. You were created for a reason. The Lord loves you. He wants to use you. You are not in a situation that's too big for him. You have no idea how dark my life has been, what I've walked through with my bride, with my kids, with others. You're here in the highlight reel. You stand firm in your faith. Firm, firm, firm. The Lord's got this. He's got you. He's living in you. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be strong because he indwells you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He's in you. You're not alone. Be on the alert. Be firm in your faith. Be strong. Act like men and let all you do be done in love. Everything that comes out of you, love. That's where strength shows up. All right. Daniel, thank you for pointing us closer to Jesus, man. You have been an inspiration to me. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. Hope that was helpful for you. If it was, there's two ways that you could be helpful to us as a ministry. Uh, number one, just leave us a rating. We always appreciate that and it helps us get in front of more people. And number two, share this with a friend. If you know a tired dad that could use some encouragement, make sure you hit the share button and send this over to him. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. See you.